If only I knew. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Edge Weekly Podcast. I'm Clayton Langelzigich. I'm Roy Vanwater. I'm Jade Meskill. I'm Derek Neighbors. I am Jim McCarthy. They okay. Let me in here. <laughs> yes. We found this guy. <laughs> breakdown in their standards. That's the curtain. Stumbling down the street. <laughs> gave him shelter. It's like the Hotel California. You can enter, but you may never leave. It, you know, there's, this is my second time to Chandler, and there's been no trips up to Crystal Lake. So <laughs> I can see that the mass of things work. Well, it's pretty cool down there. Actually, it's very hot. But it's, pretty, <laughs> it's a pretty cool place to be, i got to admit. So I'm really glad I'm here. That's good. We're glad to have you. Yeah. Um, I'm going to get you up to Crystal Lake, and we're going to do a podcast up there, too. Yes. <laughs> So today we wanted to talk about, uh, what was it, presence over planning? Presence is more important than planning? I'm willing to talk about that. I was just suggesting that as the basis of our starting this podcast. Well, that seemed like a really good idea, (laughs) so I figured we should talk about it. Well, we're all present, and there's been no planning, so what what better opportunity? (laughs) (laughs) Pretend there was planning. We're doing a boot camp right now, right? So we're in the first part of a boot camp, and it's just starting to get rich. And so I get off when they start to get off, and I'm excited and enthused and happy, and I'm in. Welcome. 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 It's beautiful to watch. Yeah, it's awesome. Much People, much better than yesterday, that's for sure. It's yeah. amazing how a little bit of time and persistent uh, focus from their boss and stuff makes a big difference. Yeah. So what's the trouble with planning? Well, it's just fictional, isn't it? I mean, it's always like a, it's like science fiction. You know, it's like you could write a good science fiction book. That's something you can do about like it's basically a plan. But I mean, I've always just found like, especially when it comes to talking, that your presence will trump your planning every day of the week. You know, that if you're actually there, I, you know. <coughs> You know, like I'm in this room here. We got four high-end or nice microphones. We got a mixer. We got four men, plus me, whatever. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at it from my perspective. There's four men. Anyway, and it's just like uh, we're going to talk because we're getting to be friends, and it's probably going to be interesting because we're in the middle of this interesting experience. So that's what I meant by our presence would probably trump yeah. I've definitely been in a plan in planning meetings where there is no presence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Those are really terrible. Yeah, it's going through the motions, but um, half the people are thinking about you know, they're just doing it work. To, yeah, so whatever, they get right? through it. Right. Yeah, exactly. And and the results are usually very poor. Yeah, I found that it's really you can energize a team if you get everybody involved in what they're doing, which I think is kind of getting towards having presence, um, so that they actually feel like they're physically there, and they feel like they're mentally there, and they feel like they're actually, they're in, you know, they're into what's going on. Um, that makes a bigger difference than any other game or gimmick or technique or whatever, anything I've really ever used. So it's the specific value that we're trying to get out of both presence and planning. Like we're saying presence over planning, but in terms of what? So, so to me, like I almost think planning's evil. It's almost like discussion in the sense of it, plan, planning is not doing, right? If we're, talk, if we're planning, we're not doing, we're planning. And I, I think that people get bogged down in the, uh, just like they get down in the perfection of doing, so they never ship. So, we're, you know, if you just do and never ship, that's a problem too. Well, if you just plan and never do, that's a problem. 
And I think that if, to me, if everybody's present, like I'm really emotionally present and really wants to do great things, great things will happen by people that are present doing things. So then about- I, I think planning kills energy, right? Like, I mean, I think that... Uh, as far as, like, a formalized process of planning? Yeah, like, I mean, like, like let's not do anything. Let's just sit, sit and plan. What are we next is right. what it's all about instead of yeah. what we're doing now. Right. Yeah, yeah I right. think if you look at a, the boot camp, the beginning of it, before people have any alignment whatsoever and people aren't really present, it's a bunch of, it's all about planning. Like, when are we going to do the next thing? And when's this going to happen? And all that stuff. And then when the people become present, like Derek said, they're kind of like emotionally in, invested in it. Um, I think that's when the planning doesn't feel important anymore. Like it kind of just comes together. The but facade really falls knows. away. Yeah, like you don't know how it happens, but it happens. But you still need some kind of urgency. Like you need an urgency to achieve some goal. So well, I kind of feel like that's like a really, right. Like that's like a light form of a plan. It's like you have to be doing something. You can't just put a group of people in a room together and say, be great whenever you get around to it. <laughs> and whatever medium you choose. Like right, right. Well, sort of we're saying that in this thing, but... But we're giving yeah, them a timeline. They thing they're trying to do. Right, they've, been given, they've been given a goal. They've been right? given a goal by a boss, and they're not, the boss hasn't been relenting. And yeah, so I was going to say, maybe, to me, that's not, that's absence of an um, assignment. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think a team needs an assignment. I don't necessarily know if they need a plan. I've seen plenty of plans without an assignment. That's true. <laughs> Boy, you know, I've seen a lot more plans than achievements. Yeah, <laughs> there are tons more plans than achievements, right? Yep. And, and Michelle's got this thing, which usually annoys me, but she's always right about it. Is she won't discuss something that isn't created? Huh? It's like, no, I'm not gonna talk about that user interface. We go do a user interface, and then we'll look at it. But like to talk about it as if it had merits, of various sides of various arguments, and that it treated as if it were already done. She just refuses to do it, and, and it's, it's always good advice. So if we, if we look at kind of the... we'll have a fight. Yeah. Over it. Yeah. Well, now it's real, <laughs> and you can you can fight well, over we the... Can, well, now, now when it's real, we can see if it works. Right, uh, right. Instead of just, you know, opinions are like buttholes. Everybody's got one. <laughs> yeah. And that kind of is the ultimate expression of, of having uh, a highly iterative process. Not an incremental process, but an iterative process where let's just create something. Right, and get it out there and see if it actually does what we want it to do and then let's talk about what it doesn't do and let's go make that happen right mm-hmm. uh, and I think that's where uh, a lot of agile teams get hung up is their focus on going through the motions of following that process mm-hmm. instead of looking at the product that they're creating and ultimately looking at themselves as the team being the ultimate product that's being created right how many times yeah, do we hear cool. like how can I measure that we're doing agile well it's like who cares if you're doing agile well, well if you're not doing anything right. meaningful are you with shipping it? are you delivering great products right then you're doing it well right <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I had someone ask me yesterday they were they kind of just got out of the experience of having this like painful process of deciding something in this big group which I think is kind of planning usually is like a bunch of people have to decide something and you know nobody really wants to and competing interests and everything and so they were kind of asking me what it would be like uh you know like why is it so hard and i asked them what it would be like if it were easy and they kind of laughed and they're like well the easy answer is everybody trusts each other and then like people could just go do stuff and it would be okay with the group it's like yeah that's pretty good right? <laughs> that's about how it goes like that is the easy answer part. right and uh you know so you can imagine if you had a planning meeting where you know the user interface thing comes up rather than everybody arguing about what it should be it's just like yeah okay 
like we got that you yeah. know and then you go, go do it we'll and, build then one and then we'll see what happens it. right yeah. yeah i like that idea of not not discussing it until it's been created yeah. so i think some of that is process starts to become a crutch for bad behavior so like i find myself more and more getting frustrated as people say you know is clients tend to ask like how do we know we're doing scrum well or doing kanban well or doing whatever it is how do we know our process is working right <clears throat> and i kind of say like i hate agile because like i hate process but in reality, Agile hates process too. It actually says individuals and interactions over processes and tools. So how do we get to a point where everybody who's quote-unquote doing Agile is arguing about process when we should be valuing individuals and the interactions of individuals over those process and tools? And I, I think one of the things I love about boot camp <clears throat> is it melts all of that away and it just gets down to people. And invariably... Whoever the high performer in the room is, the first thing they want to do is throw all sorts of process on how to get these people productive. And when in reality, if they would just get down to getting to know the people and getting transparent and vulnerable with those people, uh, they'd find that they get much better results and they would need absolutely no process to do. How do you do that in an organization? I think that I, what you say is very wise. Uh, you got the sage of the desert here. <laughs> <laughs> He's been called many things. Well, that's, that's, that's what I'm Most calling of them four-letter words. I'm gonna sage is a four-letter word. That's my story on him, and I'm going to stick to it, too, because I, I like it. In Arizona, they spell a, uh, sage A-S-S. <laughs> oh, is that what it is? Yeah. Well, in Arizona, they have a sage among them, and I'm sitting next to him, and he's got a bright red, passionate love shirt on, and he's very cherubic looking. <laughs> and he smiles more than anyone and cackles a time or two. So anyway, yeah, I get to know these people, and uh, and then everything kind of works out. Like, and it is funny in boot camp. Like we made it. We made it. We made, try to make everything that's stupid illegal in boot camp. It just because it's happened before and it's wrecked stuff and so we go okay that becomes against the rule that becomes against the rule and so all you're left with is you these other people and the question in the beginning is what do you want and you know it, that's what they've been working on here for a couple of days and it's so beautiful as they answer it and answer it more deeply and they, they start to smile and their wrinkles actually go away and their stresses disappear it's pretty it never fails to impress me how beautiful people are when they do try to and they become be authentic. They become humans. Yes. Yes. Right. I think that's wise. what we're missing so much in, in a lot of these organizations, at least the ones I've been working with. There are there are very few humans working there. There there might be robots and, and reflex machines, but there's really not a lot of actual wonderful, beautiful people. They're trapped in there somewhere. I've noticed like you four, I've been thinking about you guys as a team. This is a great team here and they really love each other, and they're always laughing. They're, oh, you can hear Jade's laughter. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, there's a that, laugh track out there. There is right? a laugh they track. Want that yeah. to show Take up. that on Vimeo, yeah. <laughs> but they're always laughing, and it's like, well, that's just, that's it. I mean, if you're laughing, you're going to live forever, you know? I mean, let's at least believe that. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because, like, laughing is just such a like that's what's so great about my marriage my wife loves to laugh and she laughs at like my stupid jokes and so someone was just telling me that they really like listening to our podcast because and then he said i'm kind of sort of jealous like michelle just thinks you're the funniest thing and i was <laughs> like i know i know and i don't blame you for being jealous it's just such a great thing 
to have to laugh. And they're starting to laugh a little more in there. And you have to cry, too. I, I said this morning, it's good to cry at work. I mean, what a dumb thing to have to say. <laughs> right? The, well, of course, no one's paying me very much to say it either. But, <laughs> but one young woman who's brand new to the workforce said, well, thank you for telling us that. <laughs> this, I told her afterwards that she was so encouraging, and that was brave of her to encourage me on such a radical point. Yeah. It's not radical, of course, that humans cry. But I don't know. I don't know how I got in this corner. Just present. That's what happened to me today. That was impressive. Yeah. Well, no, but I think Honestly, Jade's awesome. point of of you know being human. You know, I think if you had a personal relationship with someone and they were telling you some issue or explaining something about them, and they did, and they got emotional and they started crying and all the things you're not supposed to do at work, you know, that's a an interaction that you have with that person as maybe a friend or a spouse or whatever, and you know, you have this human and human connection. But then if someone exhibits behavior like that at work where they act like they're a human, it's like, well, this doesn't follow the guidebook. I'm not supposed to have this interaction with this person because I don't, like, I'm not supposed to love them. Or I'm this not is an to, HR problem. Yeah, this is an HR problem. So, <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> you know. That's it's, it's, or at like, the very least, I'm uncomfortable because now I feel like I have to reciprocate and I'm not comfortable doing that. Yeah, that's part of it, yeah. So, so I mean, I was working with a client who, uh, one of the topics that came up at one of their... Um, uh, they do lean coffee on a regular basis. One of the topics that came up is like, how do you foster relationships? Because it's against the HR policy to friend an, a coworker or an employee. I'm sorry, it's it's against policy to friend uh, somebody on Facebook who is your direct report. Right? So you're not allowed to be friends with <laughs> your direct. You're, you're, you're wow. not you're not allowed yeah. to be like emotionally connected to people who report to you. Right, like how, how does that work? I wonder like, what like, the I mean, how, how, how do you get that How do you results? That's when you ask him, well, how's that working for you? Yeah. I'm just going to take a wild guess that, <laughs> that it's not working very yeah. well. I mean, it might be, but like there's a lot of surreptitious Facebook friends would be my guess. It's kind of like when it's not legal to uh, make love with people you work with. And, well, okay, so then a lot of scoff law like, takes place. You know, like... Uh, Anytime you try and outlaw basic human qualities, you just create lawbreakers. Maybe they're just trying to ingeniously promote that behavior. <laughs> they're well, trusting in the rebellious boss, attitude of their employees. Hates, and that's <laughs> what the boss says. That might work. I mean, it seems like a long, about a long way to go. Yeah. But. Yeah. So I, I think our, our question was like, how do we do this in organizations? Yes, yeah. that was the question you asked. I think, I think we have to become very different. We have to be organized very differently. The organization, Sue? I think we have to be committed, personally, yeah. to loving our neighbors. I mean, and ourselves. That's enough. Yeah. We don't really need a reorg or a different boss. Huh? Now, it's true that some people might, like, come down on you. And then you just move. You have to be willing to move on. Your own love and life is more important than a particular job and... I think the the example we have before us today is the guy that brought these people to this boot camp took a big risk, mm-hmm. and he's working. He's like working like a like my I had a boss who said McCarthy act like a one arm paper hanger, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like that's what he's he's boom he's working his ass up, but uh, trying to keep it all going and taking a big risk and you know he cares. He, and I, I did say to him and his wife both, he brought his wife and his child, which is very telling. Yeah. And uh, 
He's just a very admirable guy. That if you're in a position of authority and you want to have a great team, you have to do the sorts of things he's doing for his team. He's discharging his responsibility as an adult ought to in, in their behalf. Right? Yeah. What's what good is having a lot of responsibility if you never use it? <laughs> that's my point. You know, that's the guys that sit around trying to control people. I was just say I think another interesting aspect that now that you kind of said uh, open up that uh, door is uh, one of the interesting things to me about this boot camp is that uh, several wives attended. Yes. Um, and it was interesting um, at the end of the first day, um, I challenged the other interim guys and I said, I suspect we're going to lose a wife um, between today and tomorrow. Not, not permanently. Not permanently. No, but they wouldn't come back. <laughs> there's just one, one, one or more won't come back, you know. Yeah. Uh, this is just probably too awkward for them. And uh, we ended up gaining a wife, meaning a, 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 a spouse ended up showing up that uh, wasn't there during the first day, and we didn't lose any. Um, why is it? Why is it that is a world we try so damn hard to separate work from who we are? Like, 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 why do we insist on being prostitutes to our work? What, what, what dynamic is at play that we just can't, for whatever reason, allow ourselves to integrate? Well, who we are with what we do. Possibly it's like our heritage of slavery. That work was uh, something you want to spare your loved ones. Because basically you're checking in to be a, a wage slave at best. Yeah, I think some of it's like the shackles of modernism. Right, like that's that's how it's supposed to work. Things are supposed to be very clean and sanitary and separate uh, and, and compartmentalized, right? And, and that's not actually how we work best as humans, right? We're very messy and sloppy, and things are all over the place. And, and things are fun. Like yeah. we we have heard so many times, like, "Hey, you guys are having too much fun. You can't be working hard, right. or you can't be you can't be doing good work because you're having too much fun. You need to stop right. that. Like, work <laughs> is a place for work, not a place for fun." Like Jim said, my laughter tends to permeate the building, right? right? I think and, a lot of uh, a lot of people it causes trouble. Yeah, but I think a lot of people just hate their jobs. Like they have crappy jobs they don't like, but, but they're too afraid to get out of them. No, I think because they, they don't no, like themselves. And I yeah, think no. they, I think they think they're supposed to hate their jobs. Well, okay, yeah, they think they have to like do this rat race thing and all that stuff. But like, if I hated my job, like you bet your ass, I would not ever want to think or talk about it or do it. I would totally separate those two things. Yeah, but I, I think that I think that the modern story is that you do hate your job and you hate your boss and I, yeah. you hate all these things. If you went around telling people that you loved your boss, which I encourage you to do. People would think you're insane, right? They they wouldn't want to relate to you. I've got friends that get upset at me when I talk about the fact that I love my job. Yeah. Like, they get mad at me like it's my fault that I enjoy what I do. (laughs) Well, it is your responsibility. You're breaking the system. That's true. I'm not, like, I'm sliding them, I guess, which is not what I'm doing. You know, Derek, I think you and I were in a, a workshop somewhere, like in an open space, and we went to this thing. And we didn't. We just barely knew each other. And it was the thing was work-life balance. And it made me so mad to even hear that phrase. And mm-hmm. I went in there to to attack it. And before I could, the sage uh, <laughs> spoke up and said, "I don't think there even should be such an idea as work-life balance." And I went, "You got that right." And we just really got in. <laughs> and everybody in the room was afraid to go. Uh, talk and brag about how they achieved this balance, which, by the way, I've never, I've asked thousands of people if they've ever lived a work-life balance. What does that even mean? <laughs> that means that means you do it as little work as possible. You must have civil war between right. your job and your home. Right. 
Yeah, it's like oil and water. Work-life balance. Good grief. Work-life integration, right? Like they, that's exactly right. right. It's, that's my only solution. I've ever been able to come up with uh, is you integrate your work. Well, and I, I, I guess I look at it if if you're not doing your life's work, like stop whatever you're doing and start doing your life's work. And I mean, because what what it means is like I'm I'm punching a clock that has no meaning to my life at all. Like I'm simply showing up. I, mean, I have a mortgage. I mean, I think we said it, but best <laughs> yeah. is. I mean, you're no different than a prostitute, right? Like, the, I am. I am only doing this transaction for money. Some of them I, like there, their work. There, there is no love. There's <laughs> not. There's, there's. Well, but I, that might be their life's work, <laughs> right. right? Like, I, you know, I'm not. I'm not, not degrading prostitutes here. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, well, my life's work is my sexual. But, 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 but <laughs> if, if I go to work every single day and am miserable and feel like I'm just being, you know, taken advantage of. But I'm willing to do that because there's some paycheck on the end of it. I, I don't see how that's any. This to me is indistinguishable from prostitution. Now, however you call it, right? I'm selling. I'm selling well, myself it's a type for of slavery, yeah, yeah, slavery, prostitution. You yeah. name it, right? right. Um, it's voluntary slavery. It's and, and so, if you get to a point where like I'm doing meaningful work, right? Like, wouldn't you want everybody that's close to you to be part of that work, right? If I'm if I'm doing my life's work and I'm doing something that's meaningful to me. By de facto standard, wouldn't I want all of the people that I love to partake in me, right? Like if my if, if I can't separate me from the work that I'm doing, and if I want to give me to the people I love, by default, am I not including them in the work that I'm doing? Yeah, I think that's a great point. I, I get asked a lot about that, about the things that I do with Gangplank and you know I you know giving so much away and doing all the stuff and like oh how selfless and I say no 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 you don't understand this is the most selfish thing I can do right right because this is all about making the world better for me it's not it's not yeah yeah which I think has the greatest benefit I it benefits other people as well but really it's about making the world better for myself if it didn't you'd still do it yeah right I mean it's just coincidental that we're pursuing virtue in this boot camp yeah it's just a happy very happy coincidence that virtue tends to pay off. Yeah. If if we were if vice were necessary, I'm sorry to say I'd be recommending it <laughs> because the fundamental unit is to make your life effective, to make it achieve what you want to achieve in the time you're willing to spend on it. And that is, as you say, Jade, it's like what you want. You know, I think like your life's work. The only problem I have with the idea of life's work is it's too hard for young people. Like to have that, I don't know what my life's work is. I get my 18 year old saying that, and I'm like, I, I really didn't expect you to. <laughs> you still got plenty I of time said, to figure that pursue out. Pursue what you want, and that'll probably, if you're a human, you'll end up making that so noble that you get to keep doing it forever. Yeah, you know, but, mm-hmm. but I think could we encourage, uh, you know, if somebody's you know 17, 18, well, whatever, whatever age they are, and they don't know what they want, can yes. we start by saying, well. If you don't know what your life's work is, you should get to work understanding what your life's work is, right? whatever that is, right? Well, it, yeah, or just pursue what you want yeah. and trust that that will. Yeah, that's work what I mean. Like you right, know, right, right, right. If, same if, difference. Yeah, yeah. If, if you have if you have something you want, you start there, and maybe that uncovers other things that you really want, right? Mm-hmm. But if you don't start, right, it's like planning. Like I want to plan the perfect career for me. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Why don't you? <laughs> Good luck with that. Why don't yeah. you start doing what you want exactly. to do, and yeah. you might find out that that's not what you want to do, and you right. switch to something else. Typically, you might do that ten times. Typically, but. you'll find that you spent too much money and too many, yeah. and, the, and the whole decade of your twenties typically right. on like something that someone else told you would make you secure. Right. This sounds just like product development. Yeah. 
personal right. development? No problem. Product. Like we indulge in these things. We get these great budgets. We put together these wonderful plans on this thing that we think that we want. Mm-hmm. And then we actually build it and realize that it's not the thing that we want. Or that, or that other people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right. Where if we actually pursued what we truly wanted, we would build a really great product yes. that we would be proud of, that our teams would be excited about, that everybody would be invested in making well, successful. Well, you might even be disappointed in the first few rounds. Oh, of course. Yeah, you know, but, like, but, but you know, ultimately, if I continue like, well, to pursue that. I wanted this beautiful thing, and, <laughs> and this turd came out. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's hard. But, yeah, but if you just do it, you know, you're so much better off. Hmm. I spent a bunch of time pursuing poetry and fiction writing, and then when I saw a computer, I learned what writing was for me. It was like, oh yeah, baby, yeah, baby. So there's like kind of, you pursue shadow things maybe at first a little Mm -hmm. when you're a kid. And plus it's a list of things to choose from that's preordained. Yeah. They didn't have any idea of like a personal computer. I think my my, my uh, advice to young people is explore, right? Like, get out there and taste things. Like, because whatever the current list is is not what's really available. Like, in in the end, you can that's the old you, people's you, version. Yeah, you can create things <laughs> yeah. that people don't even know about yet. And right. then once you get a taste of that, like that, that's where the good stuff is: is creating the stuff that nobody's ever seen. Right. Right. But the only way you're going to do that is to be exposed to a lot of different stuff. Seeing have new ideas to create from. Find, find the stuff that you can't avoid doing, I mean, that you just must do regardless, and then increasingly make more and more room in your life for that. It was funny, like, about a year ago, I asked Michelle, hey, Michelle, is there something that you just do that when you do it, you're totally happy? And she's, oh, yeah, when I play tennis. I go, okay, how about tripling the amount of time you spend playing tennis? Yeah. And she did, she's much happier. It seems sort of like, a, again, I don't think that's safe. Is there something that you do that you love? <laughs> yeah. Do it more. The easy answer is Imagine to play that. more tennis. Yeah. <laughs> uh, good idea. <laughs> I heard you in your talk, Jade, to the that great talk. Everybody needs to go listen to Jade's <laughs> talk uh, at Livermore X. TEDx Livermore. TEDx conference. Yeah. And, and you said that your grandfather gave you the money to build a computer. Wow. Yeah. Not that only that, he took me words. down and like did it with me. Bucks, wasn't it? Yeah. Right? Did he ever spend did anybody ever spend anything better than to give Jade Maskell a thousand bucks to build a computer? Yeah. Gave him his life. Yeah, even more so he gave me his time to like yeah, do he it. Did it with you? Like, yeah, we did it together. He was it wasn't okay. just a check. He took me down and we bought the stuff and we built it together. And so not only that, he told me he learned things that he didn't know he knew. I would I would guess <laughs> yeah. so. That's the deal. Yep. Little learning machines. That's yep. why we love them so. Yeah. That, that was so cool. So do, do something like that for your kids or friends or whatever. One little gift like that, it makes all the difference if it's the thing they love. Yeah, I ran into somebody uh, the other day at Gangplank, and they were doing some stuff, and they said, I just, I just can't believe that a place like this exists, that I, I would have never been able to do this thing that they were doing without having it. Yeah, I was like, that's amazing. Right, that is amazing. And so easy, so simple. If you're struggling at work, you're on the wrong path. Yeah. Don't, don't I, stay in pain, right? Like I think that really comes down to what we're talking about, right? If you're fully present, then... Like, we're having why fun. You, uh, yeah. The guitars aren't out yet, but when they come out, <laughs> things get even better. Yeah. we got a couple of guitar players, and uh, 
and I'm going to learn to dance. So, so there, Michelle. Well, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm on it. I'm on it. That's my new alignment. That's the we, evidence to my new alignment. We, we can challenge his integrity now, Michelle. We'll help you do that. <laughs> That's right. The hypocritical. We'll take it from here. And with that, we're going to go to Jim's dancing lessons. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thanks, Jim. Thank Thanks. you for having me. there's something you'd like to hear in a future episode head over to integramtech.com slash podcast where you can suggest a topic or a guest looking for an easy way to stay up to date with the latest news techniques and events in the agile community sign up today at agileweekly.com it's the best agile content delivered weekly for free the agile weekly podcast is brought to you by integram technologies and recorded at gangplank studios in chandler arizona for old episodes check out integramtech.com or subscribe on itunes need help with your agile transition Have a question and need to phone a friend? Try calling the Agile Hotline. It's free. Call 866-244-8656.